Hello, and welcome to the show Gold Squadron Gays. It's the podcast where two Star Wars-loving gays break down each episode of their favorite Star Wars TV shows, while also being gay as hell. I'm your host, Bradley Brower. I'm your other host, Charles Rogers, and unlike Bradley in the vamp intro, I have three intros that I was going to go with and okay. couldn't decide, so I will now rattle all three of them up. I'm Charles Rogers, and The Sims Medieval is a very dangerous game for me to play. I'm Charles. Medieval. Oh, okay. Yes. I'm Charles Rogers, and I have finally read Percy Jackson, The Lightning Thief. I'm 32. <laughs> okay, it's been a minute, but sure. It's, it's been a minute. Nine, there's about nine novels now, but sure. Okay, great. <laughs> I'm sure there's a little more than nine. Uh, and then my third one that I was going to go with that I couldn't decide was, uh, I'm Charles Rogers, and the AMPTP are a bunch of feckless, inept, useless cowards. Pretty on brand with everything that you stand for. Every every single yes. one of those intros. <laughs> yep. You see, I, I couldn't decide between the three of them because I'm indecisive like that. So I, ju- I just went I just went with all three. Uh, rather like some of the characters in the book we're going to talk about being indecisive with their choices and then they make decisions and maybe those decisions are not super great, but uh, we'll get to that it now uh bradley do we have anything any any news ish to report other than at time of recording this which is august the 6th the amptp met with the wga to talk about maybe resuming negotiations didn't go well okay so i was gonna say yeah i was gonna say it's already like sunday so did they meet on friday they met on friday yeah so they met on friday and according to the wga which is the side of the story that i believe the wga met with them and one of the first things that the AMPTP said was, we're going to do a press blackout. So don't go talk to the press about what happened at this meeting. Don't go talk to the press about what happened to the negotiations. Oh, but WGA says, okay, fine. Sure. Literally, according to the WGA, they hadn't even like sat down to talk about the meeting after the meeting before they start getting calls from reporters and deadlines putting out articles about things that were said in the meeting. So the AMPTP just went and sent people to go talk to the trades and they were going to try to spin it. So the WGA released a whole thing about, yeah, here's what was said in the meeting. It's all, it continues to be a fucking train wreck, which would be super easy to resolve if they would just give the writers what they want and also the actors, but in this case, specifically the writers. <sighs> well, there you go. I mean, I only choose to believe whatever Fran Drescher says. So I, anytime she was I was not involved up, in this, so. I know, but I, anytime I see anything about the uh, actors strike, I just like immediately, I, I ignore it unless it's something coming out of her mouth. So I'm just like, all right, I need to see what she says about the situation. <laughs> I know that's kind of half a joke but that's honestly like a good thing to do like go look for the primary sources go look for union people that are directly talking because a lot of the time a lot of these articles that are coming out from the trades this is weird i was thinking about this on uh my way to go make my coffee before this recording i was like it's so weird that this is one of the only few cases where i'm like no actually don't trust the trades necessarily on this one because most of the time on the show i'm like if it isn't reported by deadline variety or the hollywood reporter i do not give a shit or if i haven't gotten that information myself directly from someone with a verifiable track record i'm not interested in discussing it there's a reason we don't discuss every piece of star wars discourse on this show (laughs) because a lot of it is a lot of it is my buddy who's a janitor who works at lucasfilm said that uh they were gonna make a bb8 show which they were gonna do that that's most of our news 
uh, which is why we don't talk about it. But in this case, bizarrely, because the trades are owned by a lot of the same companies that make up the AMPTP, it's actually a lot harder to parse out like what their angle is. It's it's a really bizarre, complicated situation. It's funny watching them do the gymnastics because like I was watching, like I said, I was watching an interview with Fran and she was, I think she was, it might have been on either uh, CBS or like the Today Show. I, I don't know which one it was. She was doing, somebody was interviewing her about it and uh, it was a morning show and they were like, we have to say up front, like our parent company is a part of this group like yep. and then they literally just they all they did was they said that and then they go okay so now what's the situation and then she's like well <laughs> here's the yeah, real the tea here's really what's happening <laughs> the rules are different like for journalists and things that work for the amptp like there was some discussion at the beginning of like who exactly sag after like represents specifically what's right. crossing a picket line etc cetera, etc cetera. so good good for them though for coming out of the top of that interview and just saying yeah we we were our parent company is one of the companies that's involved yeah, yeah it's hard to parse it and like a lot of people are saying like go follow the union sources follow strike captains and things on social media because you're going to get some of the best there's a, a person on tiktok i don't know this this person's name but they're doing like their strike tea series where they're doing like daily strike reports it's pretty good if you're on tiktok Uh, i have forgotten the person's name i do apologize uh but there's people on tiktok that are walking the picket lines that are disseminating that information i like it speaking of uh groups that are not necessarily giving out the correct or accurate information in order to spin an agenda that is a segue that is a good segue banging his head like heavy metal style that was good uh what are we talking about today bradley talking about rise of the well i guess it's called inquisitor rise of the red (laughs) inquisitor rise of the red blade a whole ass novel based on a side character who appeared in two issues of darth vader 2017 by charles soul fucking amazing I mean, if this is not the most glup thing ever. This, oh my god. What, <laughs> was glup she anyone's the novel. glup shido? Was she anyone's glup shido? I need to know this. I desperately need to know, was there anyone out there who, like, me and Admiral Trench had latched onto this character in two comic issues and then got a whole novel about her? Badly, badly want to know. I feel like she might be, only because, like, Inquisitors are different, right? Like, I feel like Inquisitors are something that you can glub shadow on really easily because it's just, like, like, we don't know too much about all of them, so it's kind of, like, a nice... Like, if you're, like, really into, like, the Seventh Sister or whatever, you're like, oh, fuck yeah, she was amazing. You know what I mean? Like, stuff like that. Like, people are like, oh, yeah, I love the Fifth Brother. Like, he's, like, my favorite person ever. No one says that. No one says that the Fifth Brother is their favorite. I just feel like, yeah, I feel like all the Inquisitors, though, like, you could, I feel like somebody's a fan. Everybody's a fan of something. So I guess everybody's a fan of an Inquisitor at some point. (laughs) Well, you also really like the Inquisitors, but I I just think you like the aesthetic. You know what it is? I think that, I think that's exactly what it is. I think I love the aesthetic of just, I'm an evil, air quotes, evil person with a red blade, but I'm not, like, religious. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I kind of like that, like, twist. I'm not into your force cult. I'm just here to serve looks. Exactly. They're all wearing super sleek. It's black. It looks really nice. Like, I love that. They're not ultra powerful, so you can feel a little empathy for them. But at the same time, like, they're powerful enough to give our heroes a credible threat. Like, they hit that beautiful, beautiful sweet spot in terms of Star Wars storytelling. Yeah, and I like even in this one, 
it's like you have this character who is like she's powerful but she's not like so powerful that she can beat space jesus and so like and she mentions that in the book she gets her ass kicked by space jesus twice in this book she's like i can take him you know what's so special about him and then it's like oh no dude like that's jesus you can't take take on space jesus and she she correctly identifies she shouldn't even fucking i think this is a good i think this is a good point uh to mention too that uh spoilers for the book if you haven't read it uh that these are these are not spoilers that we've given out so far however spoilers for the book will follow if you have not read it and you should absolutely read it uh especially if you have not read darth vader 2017 because the ending will i think legitimately surprise you anyway i'm going to talk about a vaguely spoiler thing in three two one she doesn't even fucking bother with palpatine she looks at she takes one look at palpatine she's like no yeah she can feel it no yeah, she's now, like, no. I'm not going to fuck with whatever's going on here. I'm not going to fuck with it. All right. Do you want some, uh, Bradley, would you like some information on Inquisitor Rise Absolutely. of the Red Blade? Let's hear it. So Inquisitor Rise of the Red Blade was published by Random House Worlds on July 18th, 2023. That's right, bitches. We're doing a current book. That current book? This is our first current up book. on that current one. Yeah. Uh, if you want to start sending me ARCs, we might do more current books uh just throwing that out there it was written by delilah s dawson no we know delilah s dawson she's written bradley's favorite star wars book phasma (laughs) but she also wrote other books that we have talked about or will talk about uh namely this one and galaxy's edge black spire yeah she's also written the skywalker saga which from my understanding is is basically just a retelling of Okay. I, I just looked it movies. up. It's like a doesn't really doesn't really count, but good on her for writing that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she's written a couple of comics in the Star Wars Adventure line, uh, and she's written a couple of of short stories. Uh, for Star Wars Insider, including the Asajj Ventress story, Worthless, from Stories of Jedi and Sith, the short story collection. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that was a thing. Yes. So Bradley's just now learning that they have now done two short story collections, uh, Stories of Light and Dark, which I believe was the Clone Wars one, was the retellings of the Clone Wars, some of the Clone Wars episodes, uh, and Stories of Jedi and Sith which was a um, just an anthology of Jedi and Sith stories. Like they had, uh, they let's see, Barris Afi has one, Asajj Ventress has one written by Delilah S. Dawson, as previously mentioned. Vader, Palpatine, Rey, all, all, the, all the Jedi are here and it's all the main ones. And also Barris Afi for some reason is here. Side note, Delilah S. Dawson, this is my first time seeing what she actually looks like. She is stunningly beautiful. Like, go Google what what she actually looks like. You know what? She needs to be in a Star Wars. She does need to be in a Star Wars. She could be in a Star Wars. She needs to have a cameo in something. Yeah, let's do that. Oh, she is serving. She is serving in every photo that I've looked at. I mean, I know Dave's thing is always like rebel pilot, but like, I feel like she could have something else. Like we could give her something a little bit more substantial. <laughs> give her like, give her like a senator. Get a bunch of the Star Wars authors and Ooh. let them be like senator, new republic Put her in senators. Andor. Yes. She's like Mon, Moth, Mon Mothma's best friend in the Senate. You know what I mean? <laughs> like just like throw, I don't know what planet oh, she's from, but she's, that's, that's, she's the senator of something. So there you go. That's, that's so yes, plan. Yes, that is Delilah S. Dawson. Uh, we love Delilah S. Dawson on this show uh, because she keeps 
writing these good ass books. I've read every one, so yeah. Bradley's <laughs> read, read every I mean, every Star Wars all of her book novels. by her, yeah. which yeah. is not which is saying a lot from him. Yeah. Uh, the book was narrated for the audiobook by Christian Kristen C. How did I mispronounce the name Kristen? I'm so bad at names. Uh Kristen C. I apologize. Sia, I apologize for that last name, Kristen. Um, she's done a lot of audiobooks, most it looks like romance novels just going over her stuff the only star wars books that she's done are this one rise of the red blade and then in the battle of jedda she's the voice of ada forte in battle of jedda that means nothing to bradley uh but high republic girlies will be feeling sad right at this this moment with the vision of ada forte uh as previously mentioned inquisitor rise of the red blade focuses on iscat karis iscat akaris previously having only appeared unnamed in the 2017 run of Darth Vader for two issues, issue number 19 and issue number 20, which were written by Charles Soule, the guy who writes Star Wars when Kevin Scott isn't doing it. Uh, so that's just a little background on this novel and the people who were involved in its creation. Uh, Bradley, what did you think of Inquisitor? rise of the red blade you know i thought the uh in intricacies of like every single chapter being you know a euphemism for world war ii was really like a oh my nice god effect on the, i'm just kidding um so no when you, honestly... when you imitate me bradley okay so the, <laughs> the divas have set the standard when you imitate me on the podcast you have to kind of do this oh, sort of nasally right. talk from your nose voice. I, for, I forgot. You have I to forgot. kind of get close to the microphone here. Um, mm -hmm. Steph is the best at it. Sorry to Chris who does it the most. Steph is <laughs> the best at it. Uh, but that's how you have to do it, Bradley. Um, no, I actually. OK, so I like I really like a lot um if anything i mean i know the novel is just good on its own but if they wanted to make it a tv show i wouldn't be mad at them um it would just be a, like a kenobi thing like a one season thing and that's it you know what i mean in like, bradley I, I speak need, yeah. so so for our new <laughs> listeners when bradley says he wants to see something as a tv show that means he really liked it <laughs> that's basically it yeah um because he and i both had the same training so we both look at things the same way and immediately go okay i love this how can i break this down into 10 to 12 episodes well hear me out so this is going into my new idea for a show which is just called inquisitor and every season follows a different inquisitor so it's kind of like american horror story in the sense that it's an anthology series but it's like i want it to be that kind of thing it is i mean and, it, and when i say american horror story i literally mean like this would be like almost a horror type show like a, kind of like a Ooh. new mutant style like Ooh, i um, love that yeah it's like the aesthetic i'm going for is like new mutants like i want it to be like a dark kind of more scarier star wars show and every season is a different inquisitor so there you I go i love that i love that so much the inquisitors have been getting so much love recently yeah which has been really nice because they they were just sort of in rebels and then in 2017 they were in the charles soul comics but now they're just turning up everywhere they were in obi-wan kenobi right uh they were in minor spoilers for jedi survivor but there's an inquisitor that briefly shows up in jedi survivor uh one of them is the main villain of battle scars a book which we will probably not be covering on this show since it is a tie into a video game series that bradley doesn't play however i do have to recommend it to people purely because this book is incredibly gay also i know a lot of people 
people didn't like like Battle Scars. I think these people are wrong. I think the book is actually good. It's just written differently than most Star Wars books are written. Interesting. But that's fine. Whatever. Go read it. It's very gay, especially if you some of the, if you want some of the stuff in Jedi Survivor to suddenly make a lot more sense to you. Go read Battle Scars. One of the fifth brother turns up in that. And uh, now we have this book and uh, there are inquisitors that are going to show up in other things that happen. If if you know what I'm talking about, I, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, so anyway, inquisitors, lots of them. Can't wait for more inquisitors in my life. I really liked the book. I really liked the book for the same reasons I really liked Phase 2 of The High Republic. And I'm not going to get into it too much because, like, there's a non-zero chance we may end up covering The High Republic on this show if the strikes drag on for long enough. Uh, but Phase 2's central villains are a cult. You don't need to know much about them, you just need to know they're a cult. And we get a lot of look inside this cult and how this cult operates. And it's very much like some sort of evangelical force cult. Like, there's some wild shit going on in these books. My my experience reading Inquisitor Rise of the Red Blade made me feel the same type of uncomfortable because it also reminded me of growing up in religious institutions and not really fitting in and being told the sort of standard like advice that they give out to everybody, but it wasn't really working for me. And we couldn't really figure out why it wasn't working for me. Why wasn't I normal? Why wasn't I like everybody else? Plot twist, it's because I'm really into dick. <laughs> that turned out to be the problem. That'll do it. But what I thought was really interesting about this book was that unlike Phase 2 of the High Republic, which is pretty explicit, that the Path of the Open Hand is a cult. They're an evangelical cult. That's the kind of shit that they're doing. We're just going whole hog with it. Rise of the Red Blade does something much different, but equally as clever. Because the Jedi in the novel are never necessarily portrayed as a cult. They're just portrayed as really dogmatic. Like, they are so up their own ass that they cannot give this person the help that they desperately need. Find them the outlet they desperately need. They keep being like, oh, you wanna you wanna go out and do the battle? Uh, no, no, you should go into the library. That will help you. It will mold you into the good little christian girl to be oh did i did i slip up and let my religious trauma get into the, <laughs> the podcast again uh but that's basically what it reminded me of and so i was reading it and i was like oh hell yeah i'm i'm so into her little acts of rebellion and then i got to the end and i was like oh yikes yes cat oh boy i understand how you got here but man you're making some choices by the end here but what i do like is they they explain it early on is that like you know well all we know about inquisitors is that they're like tortured and then you know they turn evil or whatever but this yeah. is the first time that we've ever explored you know one of the i mean they explain in the book that i think at least two of the other inquisitors are similar to isket and then they quote-unquote chose to be inquisitors not they weren't tortured to be inquisitors which is the fifth brother and the grand inquisitor i think but yeah the grand inquisitor becomes uh an inquisitor very 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 quickly he's right. he's recruited very quickly to do it so some of them were like basically already primed and ready to go some right. of them they had to kind of break them uh of course if you've played jedi fallen order you've seen this you've seen this process play out you've seen what it actually looks like when they break it in they have to break an inquisitor and it's not pretty or pleasant 
It's not fun. No, but what I like is that this is the first time we've seen someone choose to be an Inquisitor or like they they've given us a reason why like someone would even bother. Like someone would be like, nah, I was a Jedi, but now I'm like free. Like I actually like have the freedom to like make my own choices and like I don't have to just meditate all day and blah, blah, blah. And that's what's so interesting about her is that she like all she wanted was to know like who her fucking mom was basically. And then it was they were just like, no, shut up. Like, don't ask questions. Don't. That's not that's not our goal right now. Like, don't worry about killing people. Don't do this. This don't worry about people dying. Like, it's OK. People die. They're just part of the force. Like, fuck off. Like, you know, you, you just need to focus where, on where your did the therapists go. There are literally right. therapists in the High Republic. The Jedi have therapists. Where did the therapists go over the past 200 years? What happened? Jedi they clearly order? don't need where them in therapy. Go? <laughs> well, no. And two, it is it's part of the thing with a lot of the majority of this book, actually, is concerned with how the Jedi Order failed her. Right. And yeah, that is, they repeatedly fail her by offering her the same platitudes and the same advice that they give to everyone. Like, she notes at times where she's talking to people and they repeat this same stuff like, oh, he's become one with the Force. And she notes to herself like, do you really believe that? Or is just this like the thing that we say? Is, is this actually meant to comfort me or is this meant to comfort you? And it's, it's so interesting how Dawson has weaved together this tragic situation because the only person like that actually gives her the time of day and gives her any sort of actual empathy is the droid technician. Uh, Hizo, I think mm. is the name. The uh, droid technician yeah, yeah. Uh, that she talks to who you know turns out to be not somebody who was acting in her best interest. And when she killed his ass, I was like, you know what? She was right to do that. Yeah, that mean, guy sucked. It sucks, but it's also weird too because like they they established so early on that she like, like he's the only person she can trust. Like she feels so comfortable around him, like all this stuff. And then it, <laughs> she's just like, "Whoa, dude, you fucking betrayed my trust. Like I'm going to murder you now because you fucked me. Like you can't do that." Like if you're so if good. you're somebody who's in an environment like the Jedi Order is portrayed as being in this book, which mm -hmm. is an environment that is not giving you the help you need, that is isolating you that is making you feel lesser than or making you feel like you don't belong while also demanding your allegiance it is really really easy for bad actors to come in and get their claws into you in the same way that hezo did on behalf of palpatine and then palpatine in general you know the way he this book does what revenge of the sith desperately wanted to be and didn't pull off mm. quite where it should have. Although uh, Delilah S. Dawson did say that the novelization of Revenge of the Sith by Matthew Stover was a big influence on this book, I can tell. Oh, also okay. highly recommend anyone who wants to try a Legends novel, go read Revenge of the Sith by Matthew Stover. It is not only one of the best Star Wars books I've ever read, it is one of the best books I have ever read, period. It is a fucking masterpiece. Please go and read it. It's fucking phenomenal. But this book kind of shows that how easy it is for like this one person who you look at and go, oh, he's giving her like validation. He's giving her alternatives. He's giving her encouragement. Well, he's doing this because he wants to recruit her to the dark side. Right. And like the Jedi aren't great in this book, but the dark side also sucks. And that's another thing that I liked about this book is that it made no bones about the fact that once you're in the dark side, once you're one of those dark siders, that's not good. Right. That's you might have freedom, but it's not. Too. Yeah. 
you have freedom but you're controlled in a different way right and that's what she explains very early on she's like she's like i thought i could like do whatever the fuck i want and he's like or she realized like oh yeah she got like a week of freedom basically and then yeah. it was just kind of like nah fuck off like you're gonna do what we say to do when we say to do it it's the difference between working at like a retail store that doesn't give you any pto and sucks and right. working at an office job that does give you pto but also sucks like yes. good at least they're giving me pto but like this is also miserable and i also hate this exactly which i'm not speaking from personal experience i actually I, i'm quite fond of my job at the moment the other thing too that this book really impressed me and i i know i'm gonna put a trigger warning tag at the top of before we even get to the intro but once again i will be mentioning here if mental health and suicide is a thing that like triggers you maybe skip the next couple of minutes of this because i do want to talk about some stuff that happens in the book related to that so this is your ample warning if if that's a thing that bothers you feel free to turn this episode off skip a, skip a few minutes but i am going to talk about it the way that it depicts the first of all the note that it starts with the author's note that it starts with had me fucking in tears like before I'd even started the book. And secondly, the way that her mom is portrayed, how she like came out of this organization and she couldn't really ever like fit in right. with anyone and ends up taking her own life. This is a character that we never see at any point other than flashbacks and dream sequences. And her story hit me in the face like a ton of bricks because of how well it was handled. Just somebody who, who goes comes out of this environment that wasn't good for them, but they were never able to move on from that. They were never able to build a separate life despite trying because it, it just nothing worked for them. And they became despondent to the fact that they thought there was no hope of anything. Really, really impactful for me as a person as kind of something that can be referenced and can have a conversation about with people who need to have that conversation. Because folks, I can tell you as somebody who did almost take his life on a few occasions, it, it does get better. You don't have to do that. Uh, please reach out to someone if you need to. There are resources that are available to help you. There are people that love you. Your life is worth living. But as somebody who went through that, seeing that depiction of it really was something that was emotional for me to be able to see that depicted in a Star Wars and how that shown as a tragedy that if she had continued on, if she had, you know, kept trying, eventually she would have met her daughter. And now that can't happen. Right. Uh, that, that potential ending is closed. There is absolutely no chance that that will occur. And that's fucking heartbreaking. And it's also like, I mean, I, I know we, we don't like to talk about like what ifs all the time, but it's like we don't if if she had met her mother, she probably would not have continued to be an inquisitor or she would have at least pulled back and been like, wait a minute, like there's more important things than just right. getting revenge on the Jedi or whatever for my trauma. Like she goes, she, you know, yeah, she goes to this planet and she's like, I like these people. I like yeah. these people. I like these culture, but I can't ever be one of them. I'm in I'm in too deep now. And she right. chooses to go back to the Inquisitors uh, when, you know, yeah, if her mom had been there, there's a fairly good chance that she would have stayed and maybe not. But things might have played out differently 
particularly in the ending, the last two chapters of right. the book, probably would have played out a lot differently if if she had been able to meet her mom. Speaking of those last two chapters, Bradley, you want to talk about those last two chapters? Because I knew they were coming because they were just 19 and 20 issues, 19 and 20. Uh, what did you think of the, the ending of the book? So is is that ending in the comics? Is that same exact yes. ending in the comics? Okay, okay. Yes, everything so it's just from depicted. Heathcoth onward is just a depiction of what uh, happens in the what happens in the comics. Um, okay, the uh, what's his name? Tulon, the Twi'lek, Tualan. Yeah. The minute I I read about him, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this is the guy from this is the guy from Darth Vader number twenty. Got it. Oh. Yeah, he's gonna die. They're both gonna die. <laughs> oh, but it gives so much more bad. context to it. I mean, it really like like you really care almost more like what's gonna happen to them, and it makes their death a little bit more rewarding. I would say because I mean, I I didn't read the comic, so I can't speak on the comic. But I'm I feel like looking this at does panels, a lot more. Yeah, I'm looking at panels of it now, and and even the one panel that I'm looking at that hits different if you know yeah. who these people are. Yeah. Oh boy, like yeah. Yeah, because uh, it, it ends with this sort of her ascent and she's sitting on this throne drinking wine out of a goblet, <laughs> which iconic behavior, by the way. I iconic that. behavior. That imagery is so great. And then she's also like, you know what? I think I'm just going to start drinking wine after every single victory I have. <laughs> find, find their, whatever Find some they alcohol. Yeah, she's like, whatever and alcohol like, they have, that's what I'm going to do. Oh my God. You are the energy that every every uh i don't even know how to say it i want to see this at a drag show so badly is what i'm trying to say ah uh, okay i figured that's uh, where you were going with it yeah that's that's where i was <laughs> that's where i was going is is i want to see uh this exact moment where she's seated on the throne uh but it's somebody in drag gotcha i, would I, love I, that. I want this i want this uh certain tv shows that i'm not going to mention uh should do star wars challenges uh, for me specifically, and also to annoy my boyfriend who watches a lot of that show, uh, but I don't, and he keeps talking to me about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, but then the last two chapters happen, and yeah. she's just, oops, I I got murdered by Darth Vader. Yeah, it's like, it's, what can you do? Like, <laughs> nothing. <laughs> like, once he's coming after you, it's like, oh, well, like, that's it. Like, I knew where it was going to, because I, I thought, so to go back to what we were talking about, I, when we read the author's note, I... I didn't know anything about this character. So I assumed when I read the author's note that Iscat was going to be the one to take her own life. I didn't know her fate in the Star Wars comics books. So are the Darth Vader comic books. So I didn't actually know that that's how she died or that she even died. Like I, I didn't even know that I just assumed. And so after I read it, I was like, Oh, like, so you're, <laughs> you're fucked because Darth Vader yep. is coming after you. And I, I, cause I thought like, as I kept reading the book, I was like, damn, she's going to get out of this. Like how, like, I was like, how is an inquisitor going to leave, essentially leave the inquisitorious and just kind of fuck off and you do whatever don't. you want. You don't. And so far we Yoriva. have seen. Yoriva is the one. only, yeah. only time you do this is. Yeah. Every single one has not made it out except for Riva. And so like, that's, that's wild to me. Like, I'm just like, whoa, because I'm rewatching Rebels and I'm like seeing how they die. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, really? You either go on missions and die. Ahsoka kills you or Darth Vader kills you. <laughs> it's really one or the other. Like, or Darth Maul really kills not... you. Oh, well, that's true. Darth yeah, Maul takes one of them, them out. Cal Kestis, minor spoilers for Jedi Survivor. Cal Kestis also has an Inquisitor kill count. 
Oh, really? Okay, well then there you Which go. Good for him. So, yeah, uh, I guess but yeah, yeah, most you of the really ones, die. Yeah, most of the it. ones that I'm I'm thinking of, they're generally taken out by Darth Vader. Gotcha. Be, who takes who takes most of the ones out? Because three of them off the top of my head, I can think of were taken out by Vader personally. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. That would make a lot of sense. I mean, that's how you, you know, if you hire a bunch of people and you're like, oh, crap, I don't have enough hours. Like, that's how you get rid of them. You know, yes. Yes. You just you just start (laughs) murdering them, which I think under late stage capitalism is a thing that I'm sure companies wish they could do. But unfortunately uh, for them, they cannot. And fortunately for the rest of us. Uh, that was my win coming out very briefly. If you're familiar with the character I play on for Light and Dice, uh, they are constantly uh, bemoaning the evils of capitalism, and that comes from a place, listener. Um, but one last thing I do want to say about this book is that, like, the one thing they do explore and they talk about is the fact that, like, Iscat says, ooh, the Inquisitors are almost too good at their job, that it's, we're slowing down. There's not as many Jedi left to hunt down therefore what are we even needed for at this point because she even says at one point she's like yeah once we kill all the jedi i'll retire you know maybe i'll come back oh, to my home world and i'll like protect honey, them i'll no. become like the president or something like and i'm like girl that is not what well, you think palpatine is gonna just let you all just leave and, like, do whatever <laughs> no. the fuck you want? i just thought it was so interesting no honey no because this is really the first time we've ever talked about i mean in at least some kind of media that I've read or been a part of that is like what even happens to the Inquisitors, really. I mean, other than the fact that they all just die by most I of guess, them die. Yeah, most of them I mean, die the by is a new most hope of them die. Yeah. I think that by the time we get to Rebels, really only the Grand Inquisitor, Fifth Brother, Seventh Sister, and Eighth Brother are left. Uh, uh, okay. Most of them, I think, are gone, at least the ones that we know of. Right. Reva's uh, probably somewhere in the. Reva's probably off somewhere, but she doesn't yeah. count anymore. She's right. not an Inquisitor. She actually managed to get out. And the way she managed to get out was because Vader. Here's the interesting thing, too. We see how va- thorough Vader is. Mm-hmm. If he hadn't been so petty and stabbed her exactly where she got stabbed before, that she literally fucking survived as a right. child. And he was like, no, I'm going to be petty and stab her in the same place. Did you think you were going to get a different result, Anakin? Did you think that that this was going to go differently? It was going to be exactly the same, dude. Well, he's always been kind of petty. He's he's so petty. And that's like, that's the thing that saves her essentially is Darth Vader's pettiness. Uh, Whereas most of them we see they're either killed by Jedi or they're killed by Vader himself or they're killed by uh, Mole also takes one of them out. Uh, I think he takes out Sarah Michelle Geller. Yeah, he does. Yeah, I think Maul does take out Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Unfortunately. <laughs> Unfortunately, because... Because, because I want to see Sarah Michelle Geller she's play in this her book. live action. She's in this book, too. <laughs> I know. It is good, though. Yeah, she's it is in cool. this fucking book. And she's and a lot nastier in this book. Oh, yeah. Like I she's kind of so much she's, in this book. she's kind of rude in Rebels, but like she's like she's vindictive in this. Like she's like, nah, I'm just gonna fucking kill the shit out of you. <laughs> like I don't care. Like she's great. I love her so much. And also, like it's interesting the way this, this book parallels the relationship between Iscat and the other Jedi and Iscat and the other Sith. Sorry, Iscat and the other Inquisitors, not Sith. Good lord, I'm thinking about stories of Jedi and Sith again. I'm talking about how Luke Skywalker is implied to be gay in that book. It's a it's an excellent book. Uh, also, Sam Mags, you you are my hero for that story. 
I just want you to know, if you're listening to the show, which I know you're probably not, the relationship between Iscat and the other Inquisitors, and how she is always on the outside no matter what group she's in. Right. And that's a really interesting point, too, is because you think the book is going, oh, the Jedi do a terrible job of integrating her. No, the, the Inquisitors just didn't even fucking try. Right. They're like, we want our people to kill the shit out of each other. Because Which is not a good business for some model. reason. <laughs> no, because they're not they're not doing a long term business model. Right. They're buying oh, up true. the company and they're burning it to the ground to get what they want, which is a couple of extra hands to eliminate the Jedi that Darth Vader can't do personally. Because in, in Legends, he did most of it personally. And it was mm. it was a little much, buddy. Yeah, he's just one guy. Like... Much. He's one dude. <laughs> like he's one guy. Uh, although his fight with, fuck, what was her name? The Dark Woman. Uh, that unironically ruled. Uh, that comic was unironically really. I still remember that to this day. So fucking good. I've been listening to a Legends novel lately, hmm. uh, which I may talk about at a later time on this show because I have some thoughts about this book that I'm reading. Speaking of thoughts, uh, do you have any final ones, Bradley, for this book? Yes, I do. Uh Final thoughts are justice for Iscat. I uh, need yes. her back. Some somehow she returned, um, and she teams up with Riva, and they do stuff together. I don't know what it is, but that's the that's my pitch. <laughs> Great. Uh, my final thought is I was genuinely surprised there are no queer people in this book, given that uh, it hit me a mm. queer person so hard. Yeah, that's true. But interestingly, there are none. I'm I'm fine with that. Uh, it, it's just an interesting note. As I would recommend, you know, queer people read this book. Be super careful. At least as a queer person, even though they didn't have any explicit rep in this book, I still felt seen and my journey felt seen. My journey of leaving the church and what came after, that felt super seen by this book. So I yeah. do still recommend it, even though there aren't any explicit queer characters that I remember in this book. It's very good. It's very traumatizing. Uh, please read the author's note. Uh, and also, uh, please keep your expectations reasonable for the fates of these characters <laughs> that you know if you've listened to this episode, because we have casually discussed it. Yeah. A uh, little, little late. We'll look for the um anyway that is it bradley you want to talk about what we're talking about tomorrow because tomorrow tomorrow what Whoa. we're talking about now we're a daily podcast okay <laughs> charles you must have a lot of time on your hands because i am not a daily podcast here yeah actually um iHeartRadio picked us up uh so now right. we're getting we're getting tons of money just to sit here and talk into microphone no I, I wish that yeah, I could that would make be nice. this my job. I wish I could make this my job. That would be so cool. Yeah, if I could uh, just come into work every day and just be like, all right, guys, what hour or minute of this movie or podcast or thing are we talking about today? Like, what can we do? Oh, this is just a uh, single episode about Ezra Bridger? Okay, great. <laughs> the... um. We actually discussed, because the last couple of episodes, we came into the current episode not sure what we're talking about. So in the pre-meeting, I was like, okay, Bradley, we're going to sit down and we're going to find out what the fuck are we talking about next week. Right. What are we talking about next week, Bradley? Unironically, we're talking about Ahsoka, but not that Ahsoka. We're talking about the Ahsoka novel. Yes, we are. We are going to do the Ahsoka novel. It um, seems right. It seems appropriate. It does. To talk about the Ahsoka novel. Uh, it also gives me an excuse to reread it this week because I haven't actually read it in a while. But yes, uh, the current plan is just a little note about where this is all going. 
as mentioned several times throughout the show, SAG-AFTRA and the WGA are still on strike. Now, SAG-AFTRA is the one that's really impacting what we can and can't talk about on the show in order to stand in solidarity with them. However, in solidarity with those strikes, we are not doing anything that, or trying not to do anything that is uh, been asked by SAG-AFTRA for people not to do. And that includes uh, quote-unquote promotion of upcoming shows. Uh, now, they have said review and critique is fine. If you are reviewing and critiquing something that is currently airing, uh, rewatching a show on a streaming service is like in a rewatch capacity or companion capacity is not. So currently, um, we are clear, we think, to potentially review the Ahsoka show. We are probably not going to do it as it's coming out. Uh, we're going to go through some of the other books first and we're going to continue analyzing. We're going to continue talking to people uh, that are close to the negotiations, that are close to everything that's going on and attempting to determine where we want to go. But we are going to do books for a couple of weeks into the Ahsoka show. Uh, so that is the current, what we're looking at at this moment. Next week, we are going to do Ahsoka, the novel by E.K. Johnson. And Bradley, go ahead and run our socials. Thank you for listening to Gold Squadron Gaze. Did Charles fuck something up? Send us a message at goldsquadrongaze at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Gold Squad Gaze. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Gold Squadron Gaze. Subscribe to us on YouTube at Gold Squadron Gaze, where we post the podcast as well as exclusive content. Please join us next week and every week for more of Gold Squadron Gaze. If the AMPTP doesn't get off their ass and do something and negotiate, come on, you stupid fucking cowards. You useless bags of shit. You fucking incompetent morons. All of you are stupid. All of you. Every single one of you is an idiot. Get back to the negotiating table, you fucking useless dumbasses. And Carol Lombardi especially, fuck you. Get back to the negotiating table. Stop going and saying shit to deadline under the table. Fuck you all. Anyway, can you tell I'm a little annoyed with the AMPTP right now? No. Okay. Never.